All right, so uh, we're, uh, we're going to uh, move into our big kid reflection time. And right at the beginning here, I want to just open it up with another question for you. It's not necessarily a question that you need to engage and chime in on. Uh, you, you can just sort of uh, uh, listen and, and answer maybe to yourself or to people right around you. But the question is this. We're going to look at the question, and then we're going to look at a right answer to the question, and then we're going to look at a wrong answer to the question, at least uh, in my humble opinion, what the right answer to the question and what the wrong answer to the question would be. The question is this, what should you do when something is too good to be true? What should you do when something sounds too good to be true? What's, what's something that you should do when, when something looks too good to be true? Now, the right answer to the question is that you actually look at that thing. You, you look into that thing. You do some research for it. You, you maybe ask other people that you trust, uh, what do you think about this opportunity, uh, the, about this deal uh, that is in front of me? Do you think that this is too good to be true and I should stay away or should I, should I actually engage it and, and run with the opportunity, right? So, so the right answer to the question, what should you do when something's too good to be true, is you look at it, you take the time to spend with it. The wrong answer is you just walk away. You, you let your pessimism and your skepticism win, and, uh, and, and you just walk away. You ignore it. And yet, if we're honest, we all tend to do that from time to time. We hear uh, something that sounds too good to be true. We, we see something that looks too good to be true. And, and, and here's the thing that happens, right? We, we've got all these other things going on. Uh, we're, we're so busy. There, there, there's way too many stresses and disappointments in life. Uh, uh, days are tough. Trouble is mounting. And, and when that happens, we tend to live in the wrong answer. And we just ignore something that's like, well, I don't have time for that. And we walk away, and, and then we miss, maybe, a deal that actually is too good to be true, but it is true. And so I want you to just kind of hold on to that for a minute. And this is going to sound like a, a, a crazy tangent, but just stick with me, right? Hold on to that, that question and the right and the wrong answer. And then I do want you to engage in this one and just tell me peace and joy. I told you this was, it sounded like, uh, that's crazy, right? That's a weird, weird jump. Peace and joy, which one do you most desire right now today? And, and yes, I know you want both, and I know that both are good, but just which one, you know, automatically sort of pops into your head as, yeah, that's the one that I want, peace and joy. Which one stands out most to you? Uh, which one do you most desire today, joy and peace. Just engage with us and tell us where you're at. All right, so we want to dive into Luke 24. Uh, we're we're going to uh, go right into verse 36, and we're going to pull all this together. So just stick with me. It's going to be good. Uh, just the opening phrase, as they were talking about these things. Now, these things is a loaded phrase. Um, uh, these things, th these guys have been living in a nightmare. They really have been. Um, for, for the last three or four days, it's been a nightmare of, of the last three or four days. Um, they have watched their friend be, be betrayed and handed over to the authorities. Um, uh, and this is not the type of friend that you see like once a year. It's not even the type of friend that you hang out with, you know, once a week or, or even multiple times a week. These guys did life together, literally, 
every single day, all day long for the last three years. I, I mean, there's just a deep connection between these men and, and, and their friend Jesus. And they watched Jesus be betrayed, and he was handed over to the authorities. The authorities just, just brutally um, uh, attacked him, and, and the authorities brutally murdered him. And they watched that all that happen. They watched their friend be buried in the tomb. And that has this way of leaving a mark on your heart. It makes the weight of the world feel very heavy on our shoulders. And, and, and on top of that, um, all hope had been lost. All hope was gone. Um, they actually said that in the story that we looked at last week. They said, we had hoped, right? Past tense. We had hoped. And, and now that hope is lost and gone. It was buried in the tomb with Jesus. Their wish for a better future, um, their desire for a better future, their certainty for a better future was gone. And on top of all that, um, they, they, they don't know what the future holds. There's a great deal of uncertainty. Um, uh, they had put all their eggs into one basket, right? And that basket was following this man, Jesus, down this road, on this path, in this way. They don't know where this road goes. They don't know how to walk on this road without Jesus. And, and unfortunately, they, they had no other paths and no other roads, you know, planned. They had no idea what the future holds for them. And on top of all that, there's probably a level of fear in their own hearts. I'm just guessing here, but, but those authorities and, and powers that, that brutally treated Jesus are still out there. They're still authoritative, and they're still in control. And so that means that they likely have, have some fear of their own life and their own well-being. Needless to say, the days have been really, really tough for them. Um, they've been living in a nightmare. And, and on top of all that, uh, if that wasn't enough, there's been these confusing rumors. Uh, we're, we're on Resurrection Sunday. It's late in the day. And, and three people that they know really well, three people that they deeply trust, have said that they saw Jesus alive, like in the flesh. They, they had a conversation with Jesus. And, and that is a confusing rumor because look at this. That is just too good to be true. I mean, think about it. Uh, Jesus being alive would be the silver bullet that would take care of all of their problems. It would, it would cure all of, their, all of their struggles and all of their troubles. Uh, Jesus being alive is too good to be true. And so, so this is just a, it's a confusing rumor that they are hearing. As they were talking about these things, there's a lot packed into just that opening phrase here in Luke chapter 24, verse 36. And we could easily say that the, the, the disciples gathered in the room here have no joy and no peace. Or at least very little joy and very little peace. And, and I think that we could probably relate to that. This is where all of this is going, right? Is that we, we, just, we can connect with where these guys are at. We, we can connect with them at, at a very real emotional level. The world has been very heavy on our shoulders. We don't really know what to hope in or what to hope for in these days. Um, we, we're mourning friendships that we have lost. Um, we, we don't really know what the path forward is. There, there's a great deal of uncertainty regarding the path forward. And, and, and a lot of us struggle with fear and frustration in these days. And so it seems like there's very little joy and peace 
to be had. And so, so we need to celebrate at this point. We just want to see like what Jesus does, right? As they were discussing these things, we just want to, it's going to turn right to Jesus here. And, and we just want to pay attention to what he does because it's massively good news. Ready? As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. It doesn't get any better than that, right? It's just like, it's too good to be true. Jesus stood among them. Notice what he's doing. He's avoiding the, the wrong answer. He's avoiding the right answer altogether. It's not like he's saying, hey, why don't you guys, you know, take time to look at this and figure out if, if this thing that's too good to be true is actually true. He doesn't wait for them to live in the wrong answer and, and doubt with their pessimism and their skepticism. He just avoids the whole system. He blows up the whole system, and he just shows up. He enters into their nightmare. He enters into their confusing questions. He meets them where they are. This is a beautiful moment right here in Luke 24, 36, and it gives me such hope, right? Because, because it, it tells me, well, he's going to meet me where I am, he meets them where they are. He, he doesn't, you know, call from heaven, hey, I'm alive, come out and find me. <laughs> he doesn't give them, you know, a scavenger hunt that says, if you follow these clues perfectly, you'll find me at the end of the yellow brick road. No, no, he just meets them where they are. He shows up in the room. This is incredibly gracious. Um, the, the rest of the world that I know of, uh, is always looking for you to move. Uh, move at least a quarter of the way to me, and then I'll meet you. Move, let's meet halfway in between. I want you to come all the way to me. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus himself stood among them. He meets them right where they are in their nightmare, in their confusion, in their lack of joy and their lack of peace. He just, he just shows up. So good. Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, peace to you. We just got to see what a gift this is, that he speaks peace to them. He speaks peace over them. I like to think of it as he speaks peace into them, right? If Jesus is a miracle worker, it's like somehow he just speaks it, and it, and it, and it lands in their heart. It lands on their heart, and it, and it changes them somehow. He's speaking peace into them. Uh, peace, right, is a deep internal satisfaction when everything around you is dissatisfying, let me say that again, right? A peace is a deep internal satisfaction when everything around you is dissatisfying. What a valuable gift. Um, peace is, is when you have calm on the inside, even though everything on the outside is going crazy. Uh, this is an incredibly valuable gift, an extremely valuable gift that Jesus is speaking into them. He's giving it to them. And if we're all honest, it's it's almost too good to be true. It's like, really? You're going to meet me where I am, and you're going to give me peace? Now look at their reaction. This is great. Uh, verse 37, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit, a ghost. So notice what their reaction isn't. They don't, you know, raise up their hands and say, oh, yes, Jesus Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. No, actually, what they do, excuse the expression, but they're ready, they're, they're so scared, they're, they're going to pee their pants, right? They're, they are startled and frightened. They are, <clears throat> they, they are filled with skepticism and pessimism. Uh, the, the days have been hard. The, the nightmare is real. <clears throat> and, and they just, I mean, it's too good to be true. 
<clears throat> and so their reaction <laughs> is to be startled, to be frightened. And so look again at what Jesus does here. Uh, verse 38, he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? We saw that last week, right? He, he shows up and he meets them on the road. He meets them where they are. And then uh, they, they naturally have this skepticism and pessimism. And then Jesus brings a word of challenge to them. It's just a gentle word of challenge. What he's doing is he's trying to open up their hearts and their minds. He's trying to open them up to a new possibility. Um, in my way of saying, he's basically saying, hey, don't let your pessimism win. Don't let your skepticism win. Don't let the nightmare and the difficulty of the previous days win. Why do, you, what, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Jesus is bringing a word of challenge because while he likes to meet people where they are, he, he never leaves people where they are. He's always looking to move them closer to him. Verse 39, see my hands and my feet that it is I myself, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. <laughs> uh, Jesus continues to meet them where they are. Uh, Jesus continues to be gracious. Uh, Jesus continues to, to basically not care if they're living in the right answer and looking into things or living in the wrong answer and walking away. He just, he just blows past the whole system and says, well, I'm going to show you. I want you to know. I want to prove it to you. And then look at verse 41. And while they still disbelieved for joy. You see that? Um, uh, while they were still so happy, they couldn't even believe it. <laughs> so happy. So full of gladness in their hearts that they couldn't even believe it. Peace and joy, it's what happens when Jesus shows up. There's no other peace and no other joy like this kind of moment. I, I, I'm not, I, I tried to reflect on this. I, I don't think that there's, I, I can't ever remember a time when I was, quote unquote, so happy uh, that, I, that I couldn't even believe it. Um, and, and that's no offense to my wedding day, which was super awesome. It's no offense to when my children were born, because those were great days. But I, I just can't ever remember a moment like this in my life when, when, it, when it was so full of gladness, when my heart was so full of joy and happiness that, that I couldn't even believe it. But that's what happens when Jesus shows up. Peace is spoken into us. Joy is plentiful. Do you see what's just happened? Um, the, these, these men who had no peace and no joy, very little peace and very little joy, all of a sudden have an abundance of peace and they have an abundance of joy because that's what happens when Jesus shows up. Joy and peace. Uh, okay, so, so three things here that, that I, I just want you to see. I, I, I just want to draw this out for you. Um, uh, first of all, we want to pay attention to what Jesus does. I, I've been trying to draw that out for us. I want to say it really clearly and, and just celebrate that. And then I want to just offer two questions that will help us in kind of an ongoing sort of way. Um, two, two questions that will hopefully help us experience peace and joy in a more consistent and more uh, deeper, uh, in a more deeply, in a deeper, I don't know, in a deeper kind of way. All right, here we go. We want to pay attention, pay attention to what Jesus does. Um, he doesn't wait. He doesn't wait. He doesn't wait for them to figure it out. He doesn't wait for them to go and explore and, 
and try to answer the question, is this actually too good to be true? No, no, he just, he just shows up. He avoids the right answer. He avoids the wrong answer. He just shows up and he shows them exactly what they need so that they know that this thing that is too good to be true actually is true. Jesus knows that they are overwhelmed. He knows that you're overwhelmed. Jesus knows that they are tired of disappointment. He knows that you're tired of disappointment. Jesus knows that they are pessimistic and skeptical. He knows that, that we are often pessimistic and skeptical. And so he does the most gracious thing. He just shows up. <laughs> and he meets us right where we are. So that we can know that something that is too good to be true <laughs> actually is true. And the peace and the joy are so plentiful in that moment. So, so look at this, the, the, the two questions, uh, the, the two questions here, I want to I give you the two questions and then kind of back it up with some scripture and some extra thought. Now, again, these questions are just meant to be practical type of questions uh, that, that help us to live in the peace and the joy of Jesus in a little bit more consistent and ongoing way. Okay, so first question, the first question is, what am I looking at? The second question is, what am I saying? Right? What am I looking at? Uh, are, are you looking mostly at your problems? <laughs> are you looking at the weights and the cares of the world? Because I think we, I mean, this is not rocket science, right? If we're looking at our problems and the cares and the weights of this world, there's not going to be much peace or much joy there. But man, if we're looking at Jesus, that's where peace and joy is found. What are you looking at? And then, and then what are you saying? Um, are you talking most about your problems, or are you talking about Jesus? If you're talking most about your problems and all the troubles in this world and, and, and everything that's wrong with this world, <laughs> there's not going to be much peace or joy there. Again, not rocket science. It's just good to put it on the table and know, like, okay, if I'm asking myself these two questions, it might be helpful. If we're talking most about Jesus, that's where peace and joy is found. Okay, so, so I want to just open up scripture one more time here. Luke chapter 24, we're going to look at the last two verses, and, and this is going to be super quick, but I just want you to see like I'm not making this up. Right? I'm, I'm just pulling this straight from scripture. This is right at the end of the gospel. It says this, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great, what? Joy. There it is again. Right? They returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So, so this word worshiped, right, and they worshiped him, it, it, it literally means to get on your knees um, in honor or, or respect of something that is in front of you. So you get on your knees and you're looking at something in front of you. So in the most general kind of way, to worship something means that you're what? Looking at it. You're staring at it because it's amazing. And so, so that question, right, what are you looking at? It's a question of worship. What are you worshiping? What are you looking at in an ongoing kind of way? Look, when, when we're living in the nightmare, <laughs> when we lack peace, when we lack joy, there's nothing better than to come and worship. And, and I know that in that moment, it doesn't feel like worship, but, but it's that question of what are you looking at? And when we come and we look at Jesus, that's where peace and joy are found. 
Uh, so, so look at this, the, the last uh, phrase, all right, they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Um, that word blessing, uh, it, I would actually say that, that it should probably be, they were in the temple continuously praising God. Um, praising means that you speak well of something. So there's the second question, right? What are you speaking about? What are you talking about? Because look, when, we, when we're able to talk about Jesus and the things that he has done before, that's where peace, that's where joy is found. This is a beautiful story for us. Not just because this is a Jesus that rises from the dead, but, but because we know what it's like to live in the nightmare. We know what it's like to have the weight of the world heavy on our shoulders. We know what it's like to have difficult day after difficult day, and, and we got to first of all see, like, uh, okay, so, so Jesus meets us there. He meets us there. He, he comes to us right where we are, and, and he's bringing peace and joy wrapped up in a beautiful box for us to celebrate and use and enjoy. And then the, the, the second thing that we've got to see is, okay, in those days and in those moments, there's nothing better for us to do than to get on our knees and worship and praise. To, to look at him and to speak well of him because that's where peace and joy is found. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's, uh, let's say a, a word of prayer and, uh, and then we'll continue uh, with the Apostles' Creed. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, the abundance of your love. We thank you for, uh, for, for giving us peace and joy, for, for making it readily available to us and for us, um, for, for showing us where it is found. Uh, we ask that you would move deeply in our hearts and in our minds that you would allow us to, to get on our knees and to lift our eyes to you, that you would put your words on our mouth so that we can praise you. We thank you once again for meeting us where we are and for your great love and your great mercy. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.